Hello and welcome to NFTeach. I'm your host, Dr. Jeremy. Really excited to get into this episode where we're going to talk community with Mike Money Three Two One. Um, he is the Goop Dudes community manager and also manages community for a variety of other projects. And we're going to get into his story on how he entered the NFT space today. So sit back, strap up, and get ready for Mike Money Three Two One. Here we go. Fine wine has long been a cornerstone of wealth generation and preservation. The problem? Historically, it's been reserved for the ultra-wealthy. VinoVest is changing that. If you know me, you know I'm always looking for the next big player in the industry. I was amazed at how easy it was to get started in diversifying your investment portfolio. Wine has one-third the volatility of the stock market and has outperformed the global equities market over the past 30 years with 10.6% annualized returns proving that the returns can be as robust as your favorite red. VinoVest makes it easy to acquire new investments equipped with a team of world-class sommeliers who evaluate wine and determine which ones will gain value over time. You own the wines in your portfolio outright. You can buy, sell, and even drink them whenever you want. Go to zen.ai slash nfteach to receive two months of fee-free investing on VinoVest. Be sure to mention that NFTeach is helping you save on two months of management fees. It's time to start investing with VinoVest today. Joining me on the Aspen NFT guest line is none other than Mike, the community and brand manager for history and NFTs, Goop Dudes, an icon. Mike, how are you doing? Yeah, man, I'm doing good. I'm excited to uh, to have a chat with you today, and I really appreciate you, you know, reaching out to me and and uh, letting me come on. Yeah, no, pleasure's all mine. I mean, you have a pretty interesting sort of foray into the to the nft space like and I, I felt it when we had our like pre-recording talk because um i just feel like there were a lot of similarities in in, in my journey and yours so mm. let's just start with like your pre-nft life like yeah before nfts you know what was life like for you and 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 just like kind of paint a picture for the audience on mike before nfts yeah man it's it's weird to think about that it feels like it was forever ago um but yeah, I started, uh, I was working as a behavioral therapist, um, mainly working with um, people, mainly children with disabilities for about 10 years, actually, prior to um, finding NFTs for the first time and um, was really devoted professionally into, um, you know, specifically working with children with autism spectrum disorder for quite some time. So, and, and I was doing pretty well for myself professionally. Um but yeah, uh, stumbled upon NFTs on a on a random night where I was a bit bored, and you know NBA Top Shots came around, and that's kind of changed my my life forever. So uh, yeah, it seems like so so long ago now, though. You know, I think it's important to stop a second, take a breath, and sort of maybe I don't think yeah, I worked in education. I understand mm -hmm. what it's like to work with kids. Um, that don't have any exceptionalities, let alone autism spectrum disorder. So mm. maybe just like describe what that work was like and, 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 and how you would support those children with some of their, you know, unique challenges when it comes to learning in particular. 
Yeah, no, it's a really loaded and great question, but um, I, I would summarize my work with, with them as um, a very educational and amazing opportunity to, to work with children with different capacity, learning capacities. Um, and, you know, my, my work mainly was to create programming to help them overcome any barriers that they have in life whether that was sensory, um, you know, fine motor skills, gross motor skills, um, typical, you know, understanding social norms and creating boundaries and barriers for them as they grow older, you know, especially through those teenage years where things can get quite confusing, you know, even all the way up to exploring, you know, educate sexual education um, and, and how to approach, you know, those types of very vulnerable aspects. So, um, you know, it was very challenging. Uh, you know, I worked with with children with very very aggressive behaviors, um, biting, punching, kicking, all of the above. And then I also worked with with children who specifically just had some real difficulty understanding why the world is the way it is and how to operate around it. So, you know, my goal was to try to help them, you know, navigate life as much as possible, but also keep the part of them that makes them so special and amazing. So. Um, and, and in that journey, I learned so much um, about myself and, 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 and having patience and understanding the importance of, of never, you know, compromising yourself just to fit into what the world thinks it should be. So kind of a deep answer, but, you know, no, I can't, I, I I can't mean, not talk about it like that. I, I, I wanted you to because, you know, I don't think you understand, you, not you, I'm saying in general, people who haven't worked with children's children with exceptionalities or with children in general. Like I think about this one moment when I was a, a superintendent, I was in one of my schools and this uh, kindergartner who was on the spectrum, I mean, literally, you know, there was some sort of overstimulation that happened. And then as a result, like this, this sweet child just like basically ripped this entire office apart. I mean, throwing everything off the desk, chucking computers and breaking computer monitors, like had a real reaction to something that occurred in the classroom. And it's a pretty helpless feeling uh, because, you know, I, I was not a trained behaviorist. All we would try to do is deescalate until a specialist would come. But I don't think people who haven't worked in with children in particular uh, of any, in any way understand, like, it's a, it's a really tough thing for a lot of adults to sort of separate the behavior from the child. And, you know, you, you'll deal with, I would deal with some adults working in schools where they just, they didn't really want to understand, you know, the, the exceptionalities that a lot of the kids were dealing with. And so it would just be sort of a, you know, a, there wouldn't be a tremendous amount of tolerance. So I guess I, all that to say, the amount of patience that you have as a human being to do that work, I don't know that the average Joe or average Jane understands that it is deeply rewarding work, but is extremely demanding work. Um, mm. And so, you know, okay, so you're, you're in the successful career, you find it obviously deeply rewarding, because you wouldn't do it unless you found it deeply rewarding and fulfilling. And you stumble onto NBA Top Shot, pick up the story from there. Yeah, so I've been a huge basketball fan uh, my whole life. Um, Who's played. your team? Uh, so I am from originally from Wisconsin. So I'm a big Milwaukee Bucks fan. 
Um, uh, And I'm also very randomly a huge Andrew Wiggins fan. So I've been, I've been supporting him throughout his career through the ups and downs. And it was good to see him win a, win a ring this year. So that's very exciting. Um, But yeah, I I mean, I played basketball my whole life, um, you know, and, and, and truly love the game. So when NBA top shots came around, I was like, I was really intrigued. Um, But I put off like learning about it for a while because the whole blockchain and setting up a wallet thing kind of scared me. Um, But then I I met a few people. I I did some research on Twitter who's getting into top shots and reached out to, you know, a couple of the higher, um, you know, some of the collectors with 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 big collections just to see why they're so bullish on it and what their uh, idea of the future for NBA Top Shots is and if this is actually something that's sustainable. And yeah, and then I, I met uh, one, one particular collector who's, who's in the top 10 with NBA Top Shot moments and he introduced me to, to all things NFTs and introduced me to OpenSea and, and then I became obsessed at that point. Yeah, I mean, there's a big canyon between I am functioning on a dapper like custodial wallet product to you know i am functioning in the open sea quite literally with ethereum nfts so like you know do you think without this this person that you're mentioning sort of bringing you along do you think that you ever get involved on open sea or would you have viewed it as just too overwhelming to even get started i would like to think that i would have got there eventually but i'm not really sure to be honest um I think I find I'm a pretty curious person. So I think, you know, stumbling on NBA top shots, I would have eventually ran into somebody, but I don't know if it would have been as early. I probably would have been, been joining in like around now rather than like 18 to 24 months ago. So I'm very, very thankful for that, that conversation that we had. And you're right. You know, it's, it's interesting to think about that because the barrier to entry is, is quite scary for the average person who, who isn't very curious or can grasp what's going on. And, and we don't even, you know, not, I would, you know, it's not crazy to say that we don't even really know what's going on, even those who are, who have been involved for quite some time. Definitely true. So, okay. So, you know, you're curious, you've now learned some things you've dabbled with open C what happens next, Mike? Well, I realized I didn't, uh, you know, I've, I've got a couple kids and, and, um, you know, family and, and priorities and things. And I realized I didn't have a ton of extra money floating around to, uh, to put towards some JPEGs. So uh, I, uh, I ended up going on to Twitter. This is when Twitter giveaways were actually kind of legit and you would actually get things sent to you when you won. And I would, um, I, I entered 300 on, on average, I think it was between 250 to 300 giveaways every single night on Twitter for, like two to three weeks until my account got temp banned. Um, and, <laughs> and I ended up winning, winning about 12 giveaways in that time frame. And yeah, so, so I, had, I, I had some NFTs in my wallet then. And then I could like, you know, I, I met the person that I met through NBA Top Shots introduced me to an alpha group. And I was like, all right, so I've got NFTs now. What's next? And, and they put me on to a project called Pudgy Penguins, which I think a lot of people who've been around the space know about. Um, but this was when it was at 0.01 Ethereum, which which is insanely cheap um, considering they I think they reached a, a four ETH floor at one point. But 
I sold one of those giveaway NFTs that I won and and bought three pudgy penguins. And then I think a week or two later, the floor was at about two ETH. And it's just kind of been, that's kind of been my origin story. Yeah, that, so you've now got a bit of a portfolio, you know, you have some skin in the game, but you did it in a way where you weren't overextending yourself, which I just, um, bravo to you. Um, that's very much the Top Shot Tandy story too, about how he grew his collection tons of giveaways. So it was interesting to hear that mm. um, that's that's part of how you built your your portfolio and collection. So, you know, I know the story. You begin to start to dabble within the community sector for some, for some NFT projects, but like, go ahead and keep walking us through, you know, now you have some NFTs, but what happens next? Yeah. So, you know, I was kind of bouncing back and forth with, with, you know, some trading and, and just learning about the space. And then, you know, I, I, I had some friends who are up and down in the space as well. Like one week they'd be doing well. And then the next week, you know, not so well getting rugged. And I just kind of saw the space as being a bit too um, risky for, for how much time I think I was spending um, researching and doing things like that. So I decided to get myself immersed into the community side of things and trying to figure out, you know, okay, NFTs are real. People love them. There's communities that are just obsessed. There's some job opportunities here. And I decided to see if, you know, there was some community management stuff that was happening on different Discord platforms. Um, and I thought that it like matched really well with my work history and understanding behaviors and how to manage expectations and how to approach, you know, hectic situations in a calm manner. Um, and I, you know, I just started reaching out to some of the projects that I really liked and enjoyed. And, um, just you know grinded really uh put put in my version of a web3 application in quite a few places and uh and then eventually ended up getting onto my first first gig which was you know practically free work um pending on mint price or mint um how we ended up doing minting so that's yeah so nft heroes was the first one that i joined um which was a charitable um nft project and uh, yeah, we, you know, we, we were a pretty small team. We got our community grown for up to about like six to 7,000 people before we went live and minted. And, you know, I loved that, you know, I, I was working my, my nine to five, but then also staying up till about two to three in the morning, um, just, you know, staying in the discord, engaging on Twitter, um, creating fun ways for everyone to have fun within the discord and getting to know people on a, on a, on a higher level. And, yeah, you know, that was that was the beginning of of my community management journey and I I really enjoyed it. You know, it was it was successful to the point where we were happy to donate some money towards a charity that meant a lot to the founder, but um, you know, after that I still wanted more, so that kind of is the next step into how I continue to pursue things. So, you know, you have this experience sort of basically donating your time toward this, this uh, charitable project with heroes. And, it, it, you know, at the point where you do that, do you start to feel like maybe this is something that could potentially become a, a full career pathway for you? Because I mean, you know, having responsibilities 
and family, you know, I know like it, it, it's not a decision that you make lightly to like jump into the, the unknown uh, for lack of, of a better term. So, you know, what was it? How far after that experience did you start to feel like there was something to this and maybe there's a potential career change afoot? I um, That's a really good question. I think, you know, as far as my approach to, you know, when that project kind of, you know, we agreed to to end that one for specific reasons outside, you know, not needing to share them. Um, I, I knew it was something that I really, really enjoyed, um, but I also knew that I was burning the candle pretty, pretty hard on both ends with both my, my regular work and then my extracurricular stuff with that project. So, you know, I sat down with, with my wife and talked to her about it and said, you know, like, this is really fun. I truly, truly enjoy this stuff. Um, I find it really interesting but I need to find something that is more stable for, you know, income coming in before I can make any huge decisions. And, and then luckily for me, um, my work with heroes um, caught a specific person's eye for another project. Um, and they, they were really excited about bringing me on and, and paying me a salary that allowed us to, as a family, feel comfortable about making that career choice. So I was, it was crazy, you know, the, 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 the mint of the first project and then the the turnaround into me joining the next one was was so quick that i i didn't even have time to calculate like register that okay this is something that i do for fun and now it's something that i can seriously consider for a career path so i was lucky i would say i didn't have i didn't have to think much which was nice pretty crazy though because when you're if you're like me, like when you're in that initial discovery of NBA Top Shot, I don't think in my mind, I wasn't going, you know what, in less than a year, I'm going to finish a PhD. And instead of pursuing the work of my PhD, I'm going to be totally pivoting to this totally different career vertical. Like that was not in my head at all when I started collecting. And so I think in your instance, it sounds like, and correct me if I'm wrong, that like it, it really just sort of happened. It wasn't like, you know, you were contemplating, like, I really want to move into this full time. It just sort of like the opportunity came and then it became, well, yes, I'm doing this. Yeah. Yeah. I would say that's definitely fair. I think, I think the only thing I'd add to that is that I, I you know, after 10, 10 or 11 years in that type of work, um, I was looking for a career change. So I think I was, I, I saw an opportunity in the space that there are, are legitimate career opportunities there. And I was putting myself out there um, just enough for that, that happenstance to happen for me to, to take it on full time. So um, I think, you know, the message there is like, if it, the work is definitely out there for, for those people who are interested. You just have to, you have to want it and then you have to grind a little bit, you know? Yeah, no, I, I definitely get it. And, and so, you know, you, you get this first gig that's like, you know, there's some income coming in where you go, you know what, I can make this jump. Um, what happens next? Like it, it obviously has led to a number of, 
different communities that you're supporting. Uh, so, so, you know, take me through the, the events that occur after this point. Yeah, so, so I joined um, the Moments in History team as a community manager. Um, it's a project focused on spreading history education through NFTs. Um, and the founder, Eric Demir, who's got a pretty significant social media following, um, about 15 million plus people, um, was looking for somebody to help his Web2 followers onboard onto the Web3 platform. Um, and get comfortable using Discord and stuff. And, and so the connection that I made through Heroes introduced me to Eric and him and I, you know, hit it off right away in, in the phone call. And he, he really appreciated my approach to what I think we could be done. Um, and then, so I joined the Discord when we were at roughly about eight or 9,000. Um, and that was in October. And then our mint was in the first week of January and our, our Discord server was up over 50,000. People and the hype was, you know, there. It was insane um, how many people were coming in and spamming the chat. You know, all the fun Discord stuff, and uh, yeah, and then and 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 then Mint went live in January, and we sold out in 15 minutes. And you know that that was a very reassuring part of this journey that I've had that I can be uh, a pivotal part into helping a team get to where they want to get to. You know, so that was really that was really nice. A reward. And, and so. So at this point now, like today, you know, you're supporting Goop Dudes community efforts, you're supporting Icon, and and you're you're also um, supporting the project you just mentioned, which is the history and NFTs. So I think from my 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 question is like now sort of taking us up to present day, you know, what is community? Because this is a word that we throw around a lot in the space and it's taken on a lot of meanings. Like, you know, I was having a conversation with, with Austin, our, our community leader today that like community doesn't necessarily equal discord. And I think like, you know, like everything, everything sort of, sort of gets reduced to some essence that doesn't always encapsulate what the true essence of, of whatever we're talking about really means. So like, as you've now been in really in the community side since January full time, and you're looking at sort of the, the, the 10 years of life that have happened in the NFT space, like what's your sort of general view on what an NFT community or community in general is? Yeah, I think when you think of an NFT community, you got to look at the whole space in a very broad way, right? That I would say the average collector is probably a part of, you know, a minimum you know, five to 10 NFT projects, you know, just if, if they're trading regularly. So that means that there's five to 10 quote unquote communities that they want to choose to spend their time with. So I think a, a community is something that, that is open to all sorts of people that allow them to want to spend their time with similar like, like-minded people. You know, if you, you create a community and those members feel like that they they can't come into the discord or can't go onto twitter and share their opinions and thoughts and feelings um in a safe way i think you're in a real problem um but i think the other thing outside of creating community just on discord i think you're totally right you know it's 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 much bigger than that you know uh, uh, 
someone who is a part of the community, we want them thinking about the community outside of their time on Discord, while they're on social media, while they're talking to their friends, you know, when talking about NFTs for the first time, you know, um, you know, you hate to, you always use Board Ape as the typical example, but they have so many members within their quote unquote community who are doing things independently to help grow the quote unquote community and brand, right? There's a lot of talent there that go onto social media, um, host Twitter spaces, you know, musicians, um, people taking their their IP rights and doing some really fun stuff with those, creating like the comic books that we're seeing. So we need to give people a reason to invest their time. Um, and when people choose to invest their time, they're less likely to sell their NFTs. They're less likely to, to leave and join the very next community, which does happen insanely amount in this space. So you know, we need to create a, a, an opportunity for people to come in at, as frequently as they possibly can throughout their busy life and schedule, spend time with us, um, feel comfortable and safe and feel like they're being heard, and then encourage them to step outside of Discord and, and feel like that they can be part of the process of what the vision of the project is and, and what our roadmap goals are. You know, that's, that's, my goal as to what I hope all the community members for the projects that I work for feel. Yeah, that's, that's heady stuff. I mean, the, the, the sort of desire to like, when you think about Yuga and you think about the apes, like there's, there's a sort of identity that you have if you're an ape holder and, you know, people can say it's because of the speculative value of the digital property they hold but I do think that there's also just a cachet of, of apedom where mm. being a part of that community means something. Yeah. And, and, and I, I, I'm going to say that, like, I feel like Goops, you know, um, uh, there's, a, there's a couple projects that I'm in that have that. Goops are one. Alien Boy is the other. Mm. Uh, and then a third would be the Wanderers. These are, are three communities that I'm holders of where I feel like there's an actual sort of, like, group of people who are sort of there out of not out of hoping it's going to 1 million X like that mm. would be great too but they're <laughs> yeah. really they're they're really there just because like they sort of believe in something rooted in this project and maybe it's just that they really like the other freaking people that hold I don't know mm. um but it isn't something that happens in every project and I, you know the 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 sort of looking at the floor what's your view on the the floor price you know of a project and and what it means mm. um both internally within the community and externally to people that are maybe thinking about joining yeah that's a good question i just want to touch on those projects that you just talked about i think the one thing that really separates those three projects that you just listed is the art is is unique and has come from a creative mind. Um, and it's not, you know, something that's been pawned off of anyone else. And I think when that's done right, it just speaks to certain groups of people, which creates that support, regardless of, of price and, and what the value of their NFTs are. And then, you know, as far as floor price goes, I, I, you know, I have, there's a part of me who's a trader who looks at that type of stuff. And then there's parts of me as a community manager who needs to think about it totally different. 
but you have floor price and that's how a lot of decisions are made as far as joining new projects or evaluating the value of a specific project. Um, but from a community manager standpoint, I look at floor price as a barrier, right? So our goal as, as a community is to have as many, many community members as possible, a part of the community who will stay for quite a long period of time. So when floor prices go up and down and Goop Dudes is, is, has experienced this, they had a pump, right? And floor price was 0.5 and everyone was going crazy and it was the next greatest thing of all time. But then, you know, as pumps go, things go down. And then with that, with that high floor price comes unrealistic expectations for a lot of projects that, that experience that. And what, what we found is that the people who actually love the project and genuinely enjoy the community have stayed um, and are looking to push the project forward. And those who are just looking to make a bit of money, which is fine, like I do that as well, um, you know, they, they become upset and, and aren't happy and then they leave and, 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 and they have every right to do that as well. So now I look at floor price and say, what an amazing opportunity to continue our marketing strategy, focus on the type of community members that we want to have within our community and strengthen our community and branding and let them join at a reasonable price. And then once we establish enough of those members, we will see an, an increase of that floor price and value across the rarities. So, you know, that's, that's how I think about it. Um, and, and, and we need to set ourselves aside a little bit and, and stand out because there's so many people in that same exact experience. So, you know, going above and beyond with the community members that we do have, making sure that their voices are being heard and that they're appreciated, giving them extra opportunities to, to go on social media and start a Twitter space and support them through that is so important. Um, yeah, that, I, I, I like a lot of what you've said there. You know, I mean, when I think about those three, the Alien Boys, the Wanderers, and Goop, I, Goop Dudes, I, I, I can honestly tell you I don't ever check their floor price. Mm. And, and now a lot of this is, you know, I'm a 40 year old man with <laughs> disposable income and I haven't, you know, overextended and like, you know, uh, put my entire life savings in goops, you know? Um, so, so I think like the, the being responsible within your own means is a part of this conversation too, but there is something about those three projects that are just cool. Mm. There is a cool factor to them. And like, um, I, it, I think Barson embodies a lot of that um, just in talking with him and, mm -hmm. and with the Goop Dudes in particular. But like, there's just a sort of, like the Wanderers are a good example. I don't think they really care what their floor price is because they really, I think long-term want to create a science fiction brand, movies, films, mm -hmm. animated series out of, out of their characters. And the people who've held have held for that reason. No one's saying when token or when's the next airdrop, you know, they just yeah. did this really cool. They minted a live concert uh, th this past week. Um, and, and I got one of the NFTs from that. And I mean, it, like I paid for that, but I yeah. just bought it because it was cool. And they're, they're continuing to push the envelope on, on what can be done. And I think that like 
there's this bucket of projects where the art is dope and it's creative and it's not derivative of something else. Mm. Like you mentioned, there is a vibe among the people where like, it's sort of like your local, the discord is sort of like your local bar yeah, that like yeah. you just sort of come into for an hour every night and just see what's going on. I'd put thingdoms in the same bucket of project for me uh, mm. with this also. And, and, you know, like there's just a cool factor to, to uh, you like the art, the community's cool and it makes you want to stick around. So yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I really appreciate this conversation, Mike. We're sort of running out of time. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you know, uh, if people, I'm going to put your social, uh, your Twitter in the show notes. Um, any other closing thoughts before we wrap up the recording here? Yeah, no. Um, you know, I'm, you can find me at um, MikeMoney2321 on Twitter. And on, um, I have my link through Discord there. Um, the projects, you know, you were just talking about how those are some projects who you don't look at the floor for. And that's, that's the type of projects that I want to work for because when I decided to, you know, make this career change, it was to, to do so for a long-term vision. And I think the projects who are, are less worried about that are those that are going to be actually around the longest um, because they've typically planned ahead and, and are prepared for whatever comes our way moving forward. Um, I'm very happy to say that the three projects that I'm working for right now um, definitely have that in Moments in History, Goop Dudes and Icon. And um, if you haven't checked them out, um, they're all very, very, very cool projects um, in their own way. A uh, bit niche in each each version of them. Um, and I uh, hope to see you guys in the Discord and uh, get to know each and every one of you. And, and feel free to shoot me a DM and ask any questions you want. Respect. Appreciate you, Mike. Thanks for uh, participating in this interview. No worries, man. Thank you so much for having me. There you have it. My episode with Mike Money 321 is in the books. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, be other episodes coming up this week, as well as Aspen Scambusters coming on Thursday at noon central, one Eastern. Uh, for now, it's Dr. Jeremy signing off saying, take care of yourselves and each other. Peace. Peace.